Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Brian Gibbons. Thanks for being on the show, Brian. Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it, Whitney. Yeah, I'm honored to have you on the show, Brian. And a little about Brian, in case you haven't heard of him, he specializes in creative financing, avoiding banks, uh, and needing credit. Since 1986, he has been a professional real estate investor. So he's just getting started, right, Brian? (laughs) I got some gray hair in here, but it's dyed a little bit, so... So grateful for your experience and that you're willing to share it, Brian. And he's owner of Real Estate Investing Coaching Services, and we'll have a link in there, reiskills.com. So Brian, thank you again. I want to jump right into your background to some extent, because I know you shared a little bit with me of how you got started. And I get that question all the time. You know, it's so difficult to get started, right? I mean, the first deal is like the most difficult hurdle to jump over, you know, getting into this business. And so I just felt like you had some just great advice and how you did it. And I think that could help a lot of the listeners. I'm happy to share how I got started. I actually came from an absolutely non-related field, but it was in sales. And it was in commercial air and water flow equipment. Now that sounds pretty boring, but it was through Johnson Controls and it was a big commercial company. And I was in sales in that company and they let me go. They say we're downsizing and they let me go. So you thought you had that secure position, right? <laughs> Security? <laughs> I don't know what is secure. But yeah, it rocked my world a little bit. And as the fortunes had it, um, I bumped into a fellow who was in his 60s. And we were out in a restaurant bar. And we just said hello. And what do you do for a living? He says, well, right now I don't do very much. And he says, well, what did you do? He says, well, I help contractors with some specialized equipment. And I said, well, you like sales? Isn't you enjoy that? I said, yeah, it's pretty good. And I said, well, I'm in the kind of the sales business too. I help buyers and sellers solve problems of real estate. And I liked how he positioned that, solve problems. Because the opportunity is in solving a problem in investing. If you can't solve a problem, then you can't make a profit, really. So he said, well, how does that work? He says, well, we have some marketing and we have some folks that run into some problems with their real estate and we offer them solutions. I said, well, that sounds pretty good. And he says, well, if you'd like to get more information, here's my card and you come see me for about half hour and I'll show you some examples. And if you like that, then maybe we'll put you to work. So I'm thinking, this sounds terrific. And he gave me a, a sales track to go on, and, and he gave me leads, and he gave me a guaranteed salary. I made $500 a week. His name was Glenn. Glenn and I worked together for about two and a half years. You must have made a good impression. <laughs> well, what I loved about it is I didn't have to do any marketing. They actually set appointments for me. I had to be on time, look nice, be nice, and stay on this sales track. So I learned all sorts about handling objections and dealing with difficult people and 
I've seen it all. I've seen divorces. I've seen probates. I've seen angry customers. I've seen people yelling and screaming at me. So my EQ is pretty strong after two and a half years. EQ is that kind of ability to deal with difficult situations. Plus, being an ex-Marine probably helped a little bit when I served in the Marine Corps. So end result was I worked for this man for two and a half years. I made $500 a week and I learned all about seller financing and notes and negotiating with sellers and marketing and all the rest of this other stuff. And I came to an aha moment. I think it's time for me to go out on my own. So I go and talk to Glenn and he says, Glenn, I have bad news for you, buddy. I love being here. I love being part of this family, but I've saved up a little bit of money, a few thousand dollars. I'm going to go open up my own office and get started on my own, put my name on the door. So he leaned back in his chair. He always had a big smile and he never got flustered. And he said, well, I got two things to say to you. First thing I have to say is, what took you so long to quit? (laughs) Wow. Because I've taught you everything there is to know about real estate, real estate negotiation, real estate contracts, all the rest of this other stuff. But you kept hanging in there for $500 a week where I'm making like 20 grand a deal or 40 grand a deal or whatever it is. I said, what took you so long? I said, well, I guess I got lazy. I, I enjoyed people doing marketing for me. I enjoyed people doing all the not paying any insurance or office or anything like that. I just, I, I just like being a worker bee, I guess. But then I got tired of it. I said, okay. Well, the next thing I need to, is not really ask you a question. I need you to do me a favor. So he takes out his checkbook and he scribbles out a check and he puts it in my pocket and he slaps me on the chest and he says, I need you to leave the office right now. Don't come back and let me know when you get your first deal and we'll have lunch and you will talk about it. How's wow. that sound to you? And he turned me around and pushed me out the door. <laughs> and I'm going, what did I do wrong? I, I don't want to lose this mentor friendship and all the rest of this other stuff. And so I walked into my car and I scratched my head and I said, I don't know. I wasn't expecting to leave right away. And I pulled out the check. And on the check, it, it said, on the memo, it says, to my good friend, Brian, and then the amount was pay the order of Brian Gibbons cash $15,000. Wow. That's the most amount of money I've ever had in my hand in my whole life because I was a worker bee. When we're worker bees, we just do our thing and we try to save a little bit of money and try to be a good employee and not get fired and all the rest of the other stuff. But that's not entrepreneurship, is it? That's not owning an office and having your name on the door. So that being said, that was my first self-employed business. And I've had a couple since then, but that's my favorite. My first one that I started out. Wow. So all you so, folks out there, be apprentice for a little while. It doesn't have to be forever, but find somebody that's great at what they're doing. Suck up all that knowledge. You work for knowledge and not money and make sure they're an entrepreneur and they can teach you the right things about getting started and, and keep that relationship because you always need to bounce ideas off of somebody that knows and understands you and cares about you. So that's my advice. 
I'm grateful. I mean, I mean, I, I didn't take that advice early enough, you know, like trying to get out there and do it myself. And it's been 10 or so years ago now, but I've hired many coaches and people since then, you know, who have helped teach me. And, you know, it's so valuable having somebody there that I can ask questions of that's way ahead of me. And I know uh, earlier you had mentioned before we started recording, you said like, there's nothing that replaces that face-to-face interaction. Whitney, I can't underscore it enough. You know, I read all these posts from real estate investors that say, hey, you're going to be overseas and do this push button, email, marketing, all this other stuff. And I just don't think you can get signatures on agreements that involve real estate that are worth a good amount of money without being that face to face. I just don't think you can do it. So I assume you and he, uh, Glenn, I think you said you all kept friends longer after that. What was the relationship like after that when you started doing your own deals? Well, you know, he was a great teacher. He knew that I was very reliable. I was very honest. I never said something under promise and over deliver that UPOD, everyone's heard of UPOD before, but I was under promise to my sellers and I over delivered. He liked that about me. He said, you're going to do fine if you keep your ethos and you walk away from shady deals, you walk away from sellers that aren't going to tell you the truth or hiding things better off just finding another transaction to work well. I did stay with his friendship. We had lunch like once or twice a month forever, for years. He just taught me lots of things. I remember bringing one deal to him and says, I'm stumped. I don't know what to do with this. You know, he says, well, there's a little known technique that I'm going to teach you here on this on an on a napkin. He just drew out a little picture and pushed it across and said, I never knew that. That's pretty cool. So he also knew a lot about financial planning and estate planning and, and reasons why people would do things on a financial planning or estate planning basis where they wouldn't do it without explaining that part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's another piece to the puzzle on real estate. A lot of people don't realize that, especially older folks that have property that are free and clear, like for instance, we can do seller financing on a free and clear house or free and clear apartment building and actually have better numbers for the seller for both taxation and cash flow. So there's all sorts of reasons why to do things. You know, you are an expert in using options, right, to buy or to sell properties. And I want to make sure we have a little time to talk about that, especially related to commercial property and opening the listener's eyes to maybe some options that they didn't realize that they had getting into this business and master leases and uh, with the purchase options, things like that. And so I'd love for you to just get into that and us discuss that a little bit so the listeners can have a better understanding of what that is. I think what scares people a lot about commercial property is the amount of money you have to put down. And where am I going to get that? And even a small multifamily, you know, you're going to need 20, 30% down. And with this coronavirus around, I think lenders are going to be even more strict to lend. Money's going to get tighter. So we have to get schooled on more creative ways to control and buy commercial property. You'd agree with that? Yes, no doubt about it. So when we use a master lease to control property with an option to purchase at an agreed price in a few years' time, it could be three to five years down the road, then you sublease and get new tenants for cash flow. That is an interesting creative strategy. 
and it's not talked about a lot. Would you agree? I mean, you've had a lot of shows here. You don't hear it too often. I don't think we've probably talked about it twice. There you go. Well, you put this one under creative financing and apartments, and maybe other folks will get a chance to hear that, whatever, wherever you think is best to put it. The other thing you got to realize is that you don't have to get funding when you exercise your option. You can actually sell that option. So in other words, you don't have to get financing down the road. You could find an investor that will buy your option. For a large building that's worth a million dollars, they might pay you $100,000 for the purchase of that option if you can increase the NOI over time. So let's down money out of pocket. We talked a little bit about that. It's cheaper than hard money to buy an apartment building. They're pretty expensive, aren't they? You know, they hard are. money. They are very. They expensive. make their money no matter what. Hard money lending. I just want folks to know that there's another technique you can use to not use hard money. If you use a master lease option, apartment building strategy. You don't have to pay the typical loan origination points for temporary loan, which can be like 3 to 5% of the loan. And that hurts. That's a lot of cash. There's less money at risk when you enter into a lease with an option to buy because it's generally first and last month's rent and maybe some option consideration, and that can be as low as $100. That's pretty cheap to get into an apartment building. Furthermore, if you structure that, properly, it'll be a single purpose entity where there's no personal guarantee. Now, PGs make people nervous about being a personal guarantee on a bank loan, a commercial loan. Well, there's no PGs involved with this. So that's one of the reasons why I like master leases with an option to buy. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about something that's a little advanced and confusing, and you need a bit of a tax background for this. But there's no debt financed income tax on IRA investments. Now, if you've invested your IRA on property that is debt financed, you may know that the income from that investment may be subject to what's called UDFI. And that sounds way out there. But if you ask your accountant what UDFI is, it's unrelated debt financing income tax. And a master lease is not a loan. So, you know, the net income on your IRA is not subject to this debt financed income tax. So that's pretty important when you're dealing with commercial real estate investment as far as looking at all the pieces of the puzzle, including the taxation. And I want to talk about there is kind of one downside to this is on a taxation basis. When you exercise your option and simultaneously buy and sell, well, you haven't helped, been on title long enough to get the long-term capital gains tax treatment. You need 12 months in a day, right, to hold something in order to be able to get the best tax treatment on your profit. So when we figure out these deals, we always look at what's the taxation of the profit. There's a couple other things. You do need great legal help with these contracts because there's some pitfalls to avoid. And I really think that folks should be avoiding some pitfalls with these master lease option agreements. The first pitfall is the seller could simply say, I'm not going to honor my option with you. And then you got to sue them. Now, I've never had that happen to me with my paperwork. 
I'm just saying it could happen. They could say, I don't want to honor the option. The second thing they could do is they could end up in a bankruptcy, the seller. And third thing they could do, they could die or disappear. You can't find the seller. Well, we have ways in our paperwork to avoid these kinds of problems. They sound fantastic kind of problems. Oh, could that really happen? Whatever. I guarantee you there's going to be more bankruptcies in the next three years across the board from this coronavirus. If I were in law school and I was the third year law student, I'd specialize in bankruptcy law because everybody's two weeks away from bankruptcy. People that aren't paying their rent because they haven't been paid from their job. It's a crazy time, isn't it? You need really good paperwork to be able to kind of avoid these kinds of problems. So talk a little about negotiating with a seller to bring that option out there to ask or find out if they're willing to do a master lease. Right. Well, you know, most folks, they just want cash, right? You know, they just want cash. Don't give me any creative things or whatever. And I have what I call a what if step. And if you remember anything from this recording, I want you to remember Brian Gibbons, REI skills, negotiating with sellers and the what if stuff. Now I got to give the appropriate where I learned this from. One of my mentors was a duo called Peter Conti and David Finkel. Now these two gentlemen were real big in the 90s and I'm dating myself here, but they put together a program how to negotiate with sellers that I think there's nothing better. And I use that as my benchmark as far as talking to sellers. And the what if step basically sounds something like this. You know, let's say we got to a cash number. Let's say they wanted a million dollars. And let's say that their NOI was $80,000 a year, something like that. My end game was I want to be able to ask them if they would be open, just open to getting a guaranteed NOI payment for five, six years, and then get paid out at the end. That's what my end game was. So I would say, well, Mr. Seller, thank you very much for showing me your property and all the rent rolls and all verification. I do want to ask you one question. What if we could do the following? What if we could get some kind of a transaction where I could pay you a guaranteed payment of about well, let's say about $80,000, your current NOI, guaranteed to you, no matter what, for about, oh, let's say 60 to 72 months. And then at the end of that, I would have the right to buy the property at a set price that we set today. Would that be worth even talking about or maybe not? You're kind of like seeing if the door will open. I like thinking about it like that. You're seeing if the door will open. Just putting it out there. Right. There's one or two ways the seller usually goes. They usually go, I want cash. You know, just give me cash. Whatever you can do, I'm going to analyze the cash offer and that's it. Or they'll say, well, maybe. Maybe we could talk about that. And then this is, okay, well, you know, this is before I even analyze the whole thing. I want to see if it's a, it's a cash or terms kind of transaction. It's going to be all cash or some kind of a terms offer. And that's how I usually deal with sellers. I don't care if it's residential. I don't care if it's commercial. That's how I deal with sellers. It's either a cash offer or a terms offer. If you folks can get this what if step down, I'll give you a residential 
what if step to compare it to on a commercial. So we did the commercial NOI, they understand that. But on a residential, let's say we had a $200,000 house and market rent was $1,500 a month. And I wanted to lease with an option with that property. I would say, well, what if we could get a payment that's about, let's say, $1,200, $1,300 a month for about 60 payments and then pay off your existing financing? Would that be worth talking about or maybe not? And we see if that door's open. So we don't hit people with a hammer in negotiation. We want people to treat us with respect and with patience and give us time to think about ideas. It's not a take it or leave it kind of hardball, especially on the creative side. Now, if you're in like all cash wholesaling kind of business where you're flipping the contract to an investor, it's a take it or leave it kind of negotiation. But this creative stuff, it's more gentle. Does that help? It does. You got to get the door open before you can talk, right? You have to warm it up. It's like talking to a pretty girl at a bar. You know, you don't just grab her phone number right away. What's the one thing that's contributed to your success? I'll say two. Number one is I read a lot. I'm an avid reader. And I believe that some of the best real estate investing commercial, I'll recommend a couple of books for you folks that I think are great. Peter Harris's book on commercial real estate, I think is outstanding. If you want to get started, try Peter Harris's book. It's called Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies. Oh, yeah. And you probably have heard of that a few times. Um. My website will help a lot of people with negotiation. So if you just go to the negotiation tab, you'll be able to do that. And for your listeners, I will offer something special. All they need to do is send me an email and I will forward them a two and a half hour negotiation training that my students got. And lastly, my advice to everyone is love this business. Hang around people that are great at it have mastermind groups in your local town, be known as somebody that you pods under promises and over delivers. Don't ever say something and don't deliver. That's my advice. How do you like to give back? Well, I played NCAA sport back East and I'm a big fan of UVA, University of Virginia, the Cavaliers. I played lacrosse. I coach boys lacrosse out here. That's my service. All right, Brian. Well, I'm grateful for your time and just your experience and being willing to share with us and give back in that way as well today. And just the importance of having a mentor or somebody to apprentice under and how that got you started and and done so much for you and your business and and just success over so many years in this industry. But then also just some of the negotiations there that have been so crucial and could help us a lot, just that what if statement. And then thanks again for offering the free course, the two and a half hour course to the listeners. I hope they will reach out to you and so that they can, how can they get in touch with you and learn more about you and get that free course? Well, the easiest way is to first go to my website and that's reiskills.com, one of the oldest real estate investing educational sites in the United States. I think it started in the late 90s. 
just email me, brian at reiskills.com, and say, hi, I heard you on Whitney's program. Please send me the link, and I'm happy to do that. Awesome, Brian. That's a wrap. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed it very much. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.